Or what if Ghostface is Max from Home Sweet Home Alone? <laughs> yeah, but... That'd be a twist. Ghostface couldn't be saying, Oh, I'll be good, Mommy. Ghostface would have to say, I'm gonna get that ugly little boy. <laughs> Although I feel like Max is more of a jigsaw than a Ghostface. Perhaps. <laughs> Welcome, screensavers. I'm Michael Gallup. I'm Matt Sturdivant. I'm Tyler Sitkus. Together, we host the Silver Screensavers podcast. And you know what, listeners? Today is our Screamathon. We'll be moving through the Scream timeline, going all the way back to 1996 for the original film, and moving our way up to the new 2022 movie. But first, our weekly watch list. Matt, what have you been watching this week? So, um, I've been catching up on my 2021 releases. Um, the first one I want to mention is the drama Passing, starring Ruth Nega and Tessa Thompson. Passing follows the unexpected reunion of two high school friends whose renewed acquaintance ignites a mutual obsession that threatens both of their carefully constructed realities. That's from IMDb. Um, so I gotta say, you talked about this a few weeks ago, Mike, and I didn't dislike this movie, but it also didn't really leave a lasting impression on me. To be honest, um, it was visually impressive, well acted, well directed, a very impressive debut from Rebecca Hall. But some of the, um, I guess some of the story, some of the pacing of it was a bit slow to me. And like when I, when I was engaged, I was engaged, I was enthralled by the lead actresses. I don't know what it was about it, but it just didn't really leave a whole lot of an impression on me. It's not something I can say I'm rushing to go and watch again. The ending was ambiguous, but it didn't really leave me enough to chew on where I, like, I was thinking about this ending much, even more than like an hour or two after I watched it. It's like, oh, yeah, that could have happened, that could have happened, that could have happened. Okay, next movie. It just it didn't really do it for me. Uh, yeah, I, I like that movie a lot. Um, I have, yeah, I do have to admit there were certain parts where my interest kind of dropped out a little bit, but overall, I think it's it's really fantastic, and I like everything everybody did. What else did you watch? Um, I'm also going back to one that has been mentioned on the show before, The Last Duel, directed by Ridley Scott, written by Nicole Holof Center, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon. The Last Duel from IMDb follows King Charles the Sixth declaring that Knight Jean de Carouge settled his dispute with his squire by challenging him to a duel. Um, we did touch upon this in our Ridley Scott episode, and I only just recently saw this because I didn't get to see it in theaters. But I did finally get to watch it, and I really wish I had seen it sooner, so we could have covered that more on our Ridley Scott deep dive. Because I really enjoyed this movie, much more than the movie we did do for that episode. It's definitely, like I said, definitely better of Ridley Scott's 2021 releases. I did not watch it on my phone, thankfully. It definitely paid dividends to watch it on, like, a decent setup. I really wish I had seen it in theaters. It brilliantly shows how each player really has multiple layers to their character without necessarily trying to justify the cruel event that happens that initiates the duel in question. It really... It takes some really dark subject matter. I'm not going to go into plot details because it can be triggering. 
um, and we did briefly mention it on the other episode, but it takes some really dark subject matter, but then it portrays it in a very careful way, and I think it does that really impressively. Every actor gives it their all. Jodie Comer especially was a standout for me. The final fight was extremely visceral and well choreographed. Actually, all of the fight scenes were. Uh, my only gripe is that it did feel slow at times. It was a, it was a two and a half hour movie, um, but I think that was mitigated a bit by the fact that it was segmented up into the three different perspectives of each major player. But overall, highly recommend. All right, Tyler, what did you watch this week? So aside from the Scream movies, I basically just caught up on some of the TV shows that are out right now, basically Peacemaker and then The Book of Boba Fett. The Book of Boba Fett, you can tell they're just running out of ideas with the tease of who the character coming in is. <laughs> you know, it's, already, it's already losing its own its own show, and if you saw it, you know exactly what I mean. Peacemaker's continuing to be good. Um, definitely curious to see where that goes. I watched a couple of movies, one new one. The new one I watched is called Old Henry. Uh, in early 1900s Oklahoma, a man lives with his son on a remote farm. When he cares for a fallen rider, he finds himself caught in a web of violence. This is written and directed by Patsy Poncharoli. This is a really magnificent film. It's a short but tense western. really uses up every second of its runtime. Tim Blake Nelson gives an excellent performance. It's so full of reserve. You can tell he's holding something back the whole time. You never know who's telling the truth. It's exciting. It authentically portrays that kind of relationship where like a parent cares really intensely for their kid but like the caring is bordering on stunting their kid's growth that kind of thing uh gavin lewis plays the son and i hadn't seen him before but now i'm excited to see him again because he was great i got that on vod and i think everyone should really check that out and i also watched magic this is a film from 1978 this is about a failed magician who turns to ventriloquism uh, to popularize his act, but his mind slowly melds with that of his dummy. This is directed by Richard Attenborough and written by William Goldman based on his own novel. This movie is, is quite creepy and is a lot smarter than it has to be. I wouldn't call it like a straight up just terrifying horror film. Um, it's very well plotted, very well paced. The music by Jerry Goldsmith is some of the eeriest I have ever heard. Anthony Hopkins is quite convincing as a man, often conversing with a dummy and one who has to switch between tenderness and madness from scene to scene and even within scenes. He also uh, does ventriloquism in this. He does the voice of Fats, the dummy, and Anthony Hopkins could have had another career as a ventriloquist. I was completely convinced by that. And margaret Burgess Meredith, Ed Lauder also give great performances. It's one of those movies that mostly takes place in a single setting, and the whole thing is like this giant pressure cooker. It's a movie I really enjoyed thinking about. I want to ask you guys a question. How many times have you seen the series Wolf Like Me advertised? Not that many, actually. Not that many? No. Oh, okay. Well, I think it was because I was watching The Office on Peacock, and I was advertised that show about nine billion times. I don't even know what it is. Yeah. So it's Josh Gad and Isla Fisher, and they they start to have they're connected in the beginning because they get in a horrible car accident, and then it turns out they like each other, but they have baggage. And that's all I'm gonna leave you with. So they're they're turned on by car crashes. This is just Cronenberg's crash. No, it isn't David <laughs> Cronenberg's crash. Funny that you mentioned that because I was 
scouting that movie for a potential future episode not not for the reason that you might think <laughs> okay are we you gonna pair I... it with titan about car fetishes no i actually you know what i really like to do in the future i would love to do a holly hunter episode i love holly hunter she had one of the like best movie star runs and crash happened to be one of her movies maybe not the first one that you think of but so be it um, I completely lost my job. Oh, Wolf Like Me. <laughs> I watched this whole series. It's only like three hours worth of time, maybe a little bit less. And it's it's enjoyable if you want something kind of melodramatically silly to watch on like a Sunday afternoon or something like that. What if I don't watch it on a Sunday? Is it is it lesser of a show? It is lesser of a show. <laughs> okay, good to know. You know, when you said old, Henry, when you paused it old, I thought you were going to say you watched old again. No, that's, <laughs> I don't think I'm watching old again. <laughs> old is destined to be like a, a movie theater midnight showing where people go to like scream at the screen. <laughs> it's mid-sized sedan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, movie news items. <laughs> Matt, you brought this to our attention Apparently, Daniel Radcliffe is going to be portraying Weird Al Yankovic in a Roku original film. Have you ever looked at Daniel Radcliffe and gone, all right, Weird Al? (laughs) Have you ever listened to Daniel Radcliffe and go, all right, Weird Al? I remember the first time I watched Harry Potter, I'm like, why is Weird Al you doing all this wizard stuff? (laughs) See, it happened in the opposite for me. I heard Weird Al Yankovic nerdy for the first time. I'm like, that sounds like Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's, I mean, I, I, I'd like to see it. It's interesting. I, he's got some comedic chops. I heard that show. Um, he's got that show on TBS that's gone on for a few seasons. What Miracle the, uh, Workers. Yeah. Yeah, I've never watched it, but I've heard it's pretty good. He's had a very Elijah Wood-like career, and he's just starring mm. in the weirdest projects imaginable. Swiss Army Man is one of the most bizarre movies I've ever seen. And uh, Guns Akimbo is a very weird one. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen either of those. Is that recommended? Uh, yeah, if you if you really just want to be weirded out, like in the entire concept of a movie, watch Swiss Army Man. Absolutely, Guns Akimbo is just kind of like a comedic action movie that's not that great. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that one's on I my mean, watch list too. Watch. You could watch. I mean, you might enjoy it. I just thought it was decent. I have some bittersweet news, and that is that Arthur. The animated series about the aardvark and his friends is coming to an end, guys. Did you watch this as kids? I th- I um I thought that that was news already. Like I thought we knew that was happening. Yeah, we I... we haven't talked about it. I thought this ended a while ago. Yeah, same. <laughs> oh come come on, guys. <laughs> it, Sentimental it... favorite. I love our I love Arthur. A lot of times when I come in to work when I open it'll just be playing on the TV in the break room if no one shut it off the night before <laughs> so I, I walk into Arthur in the morning <laughs> come on guys it's a wonderful kind of day <laughs> we gotta get along with each other uh, also Matt yeah. you shared with us the Guillermo del Toro teaser for his Pinocchio film the stop motion um we mentioned it on our most anticipated movies of 2022 episode. Go check that out. But I regret not putting it in my top five because I just I want to see it now. It looks it, like it's um, just what I love. Yeah, it it doesn't look as horror esque as I was expecting though. Really, I thought it had a very creepy vibe going. 
Yeah, it does. I mean, it, it I, seemed I a little think bright a, for Guillermo del Toro. I don't know. It, it was just a, it was just Jiminy Cricket inside lighting a, a lamp. So it wasn't it was, yeah, but wasn't it was, that much, but but it was played by Ewan McGregor's. <laughs> Call it now. I think we did. I think we have already. But I want an update. We're calling it now. Which is going to be the better film, Del Toro's or Zemeckis? Del Toro by a mile. Del Toro, yeah. I'll say Del Toro, but I I, I defend Robert Zemeckis. I think he's done he's done some of my favorite stuff ever, so I, I will defend him. He also didn't welcome to Marwin, though. That's true, but you know that's fine. I'm fine with people taking risks. I don't need a perfect filmography. You guys ready for Scream? Uh, a warning before we begin our Scream timeline. We will be talking about the endings of the first four Scream movies as we move through the timeline. Once we get to the new movie, uh, we'll have a spoiler-free conversation before we get into spoilers, and we will definitely give you a warning before we do that for the new movie. But as for the old movies, we start with Scream. This is from 1996. This revolves around high school student Sidney Prescott, whose mother was killed a year earlier. Sidney and the people in her town become targets of a masked killer. This is directed by Wes Craven and written by Kevin Williamson. Guys, what do you think of the original Scream? I mean, Scream, to me, is the best one in the series. I think um, it really did what it set out to do, which was kind of be this parody almost of the slasher genre which is kind of slowed down um i'm pretty sure at this point we we're just getting like in 96 i was just born so i'm not sure but i'm pretty sure it was just like friday the 13th sequels and all that so the genre was dying and it really revived it by just kind of making this parody of not taking itself self seriously but bringing in the rules of like how what happens in these movies kind of making fun of them and turning them on its head so I think this one worked well. I think they took it too far and ended up, like I was talking to you, Mike, about it earlier, I think they ended up turning into what they were making fun of and just started leaning into the, the bad um, slasher tropes. So that ended up ruining the series for me, but I think number one was did really well. Matt, what about you? Well, I can't argue that number one is definitely the best of it, of its franchise, but I'm willing to go out on a limb and say that... It's honestly the undisputed goat of slasher movies, in my opinion. It's a perfect blend of satire, horror. It almost lampoons the genre while also bringing a lot of new takes to the table, a lot of new... All the actors in it bring it. The writing is fantastic. It's brilliantly self-aware, but it's still effective in the scares. That first scene is just... It's iconic for a reason. And I just think it's a classic, and it's... A staple of the horror genre and i just i love the first scream yeah i agree it's ultra fun it's thrilling it's it has interesting characters which not all of these movies have it has just enough of that self-awareness without getting into annoying territory which maybe well not even maybe we'll we'll discuss later on it has this idea which i've always found this really interesting about wes craven is that for somebody who has made or who made such a career out of doing these ultra violent movies there's always this little lining of the message in his movies that like violence isn't cool and violence should not be kind of sensationalized or glorified at that kind of thing um and there's always been kind of this 
this strange connection. I've, I've found that since his very first movie that it's, it's always kind of in there. I think Sidney Prescott is a really great character. Uh, part of that, most of that is due to Nev Campbell. I like that Sidney is like allowed to have emotions. She doesn't have to just be like this stone wall, but she's also not the victim, um, especially in the first one. And then later on, maybe there aren't some great decisions made, but I think she's an awesome character. This has some great 90s nostalgia. You know, phones had no caller ID. There were video stores stuff that we don't get anymore. And like Matt said, the opening scene is really suspenseful, terrific. You really, I don't know if they improved upon that. So it was like they did their very best work at the very beginning. Yeah, I, I will say um, I'm a pretty big fan of of the franchise. They do come close in, the, in some of the sequels and I won't get into that, but I agree. They're, that just, this one just cannot be touched. I mean, you can come close, but I don't think this is ever going to be surpassed. Do you guys ever make popcorn like that, like right on the stovetop? Yeah, I did, and then I got murdered, and my fire, my house burned down, so you know, I got, I had to stop doing. Oh, so you had to go to microwave. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. <laughs> did you not smell the gas? I was dead. <laughs> yeah, all right, I, let's I mur- let's not jump ahead to the gas. These are happy times now. Let's come on. <laughs> You know who I love in this movie? Who's that? Henry Winkler. Oh, yeah. (laughs) As the principal, he's going off on those kids. He's got, like, the shears. He's threatening them. And then he has this awesome kill scene in his office. I love that. I love when when shows and movies know how to use Henry Winkler. See this, see Barry. I I just loved, um, loved Wes Craven's cameo in that same scene. Oh, yes. the the Fred Krueger janitor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This this movie also references just about every horror movie that's ever been done in the first scene with the, with that whole trivia yeah, sequence in, in the first scene and then throughout the rest of it. There's this definitely it's just a right through the series up until this newest one where they just absolutely jam horror references into like the like literally the one of the main characters name is Billy Loomis based on <laughs> Psycho and then Halloween took that too so you, Carpenter and the latest one they they're not shy about just referencing all the stuff they they're not um what's the word I'm looking for they're shameless um, they're shameless and yes that that works. <laughs> Uh, we have Rose McGowan in this, too. We have the party scene where she is all alone in the garage, and then um, they have the garage kill, which I found interesting because that was like, you know, a lot of horror movies like to focus on creative ways to kill people, and this kind of jumped into that a little bit with her, like, getting crushed by the garage door. But they kind of stopped that. They kind of just stuck to the stabbing. Um, which I, I think is fine. I don't need to see people killed in all sorts of bizarre ways. I found it odd how like how many people left that house and then like look right and see see her body in the garage door. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't notice until literally everyone had left. <laughs> they thought it was a lawn decoration. <laughs> uh, guys, you know who I love. I know I said this already, but I love somebody else. And that's okay. Gail Weathers. I love her in every scene that she's in. I think she's a great character. I like how Courtney Cox just like did a reversal on her Monica Geller uh, status and just went with this person who was a total spitfire. 
she gets what she wants. Her actions are always a little bit questionable, but I think it keeps things interesting. Are you Gale haters? I, I, I'm, I'm with uh, uh, Sydney punching her in the face half the time. She yeah. Says. Okay, she deserves it, but that's okay. Yeah, it's nothing to do with how Courtney Cox played her. I think she did just fine in the role. I just did not like the character. And I don't think you're yeah. supposed to like the character, but... Well, I think I think you're supposed to towards the arc that she has, but yeah, I, mean, true, I true. agree. But that dark, that arc doesn't happen in the first movie, really. No, and I think they did a good job of even when they were putting her on that path throughout the thing, she still kind of stuck to it. They made it. They didn't just like, oh, she's good now, which I liked. Yeah. Um, I think the second one did that well of kind of the flip flop between her trying to. What well, we'll talk about. <laughs> yeah. David Arquette as Dewey. Uh, who is a sheriff's deputy. I've always liked David Arquette. I wish we had seen him more in, in the intervening years, but I don't know if you guys knew this, but David Arquette is a Bob Ross certified painting instructor. Hmm. Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> and also a professional wrestler. The man does it all. Yeah, I had heard about the professional wrestler recently. I forget yeah. where I had seen that. but There was like a whole documentary about it. Huh. I don't remember what that was called. Uh, Skeet Ulrich as Billy, who is the worst boyfriend like in the world, just like <laughs> and, and like don't bad. even think about the ending. There's literally the scene where Sydney's like upset about her mother who died less than one year ago. <laughs> they haven't even gotten to the one year anniversary, and he's like, "You just gotta get over it." Yeah. Also, it wasn't like she died in an accident. She was brutally murdered. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Also, I want to call out Billy a little bit. Uh, there was some kind of sexual deviance going on. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he was the most concerned with consent in this, and that made me hate him even more. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Jamie, was, go ahead. I was going to say he was also getting other women pregnant at the, apparently at the time. <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't know that till ni- 90 years later. But <laughs> uh, Jamie Kennedy, a uh, very interesting kind of i guess not a, like a pov character but i guess kind of the an axis character is fine as far as the horror movie uh setup revolving around him randy he has an interesting scene where he sets up the rules uh which again we get a call back to in the later film matthew lillard where are you guys on matthew lillard underrated he has like without a paddle i did <laughs> I like without a paddle. Um, I haven't seen Thirteen Ghosts, but I've been meaning to. Riveting case for Matthew Lillard. (laughs) That is a great case. Um, Shaggy Doo, Shaggy Doo, Shaggy Shaggy Doo. When did Shaggy and Scooby get married? And why did Shaggy take the dog's name? Also, why does Scooby have a different last name than everybody else? Maybe they should do a hyphen. It should be Shaggy Doo Rogers. The Scooby Snacks catered that wedding. I'm a fan of Matthew Lillard. Um. (laughs) I I gotta say, like, I hated... I I mean, I don't think you're supposed to really, like, fall in love with this character, but God, half the time he was on the screen, I was just so annoyed with this character. Yeah, he is kind of, like, high school D-bag kind of guy. Did you guys guess the ending the first time you watched it? The first time I watched it, I was like like nine years old. So. 
Yeah, I already knew the ending when I saw it for the first time. Yeah, I, I'm i with Tyler. I saw this pretty young, so I wasn't even trying to guess anything. I don't know about you guys. I've never loved the ending of the first Scream, even. It's a little too, like, Bond villainy with the grand speech making of, of Stu and Billy, uh, who are going off about how they want to make this grand murder scheme, and she's just kind of standing in the corner. <laughs> yeah, just... <laughs> I, I've never been a huge fan of it. And they I, continue I, this again and again. I, I do like Matthew Lillard's line, let's face it, your mother's no Sharon Stone. <laughs> Minus, you hit me with the phone, dick. <laughs> also, the scene where he's like, oh no, my mom and dad are going to be so mad. It's just like, <laughs> so well, as we all know, Billy and... and Stu get killed. Stu with the TV. You guys, yeah. I know a lot of people have an issue with this. So you guys believing that one? I that, that that's a 1990s TV. Those things were like those things weighed like probably yeah. like 15 TVs today. So that's yeah, true. I can see that killing someone. Yeah, if not because if not from like the electrocution angle, just from the pure weight of it crushing his head <laughs> yes. angle. I like that. I always the sparks were a nice touch though. The sparks were a nice touch. And then we have the, you know, the villain always comes back, which, well, I was going to say in which movie that I love that the most, but I don't want to give away the ending to that movie. Uh, it's a Michael Douglas movie, is what I will say. <laughs> okay. But that is the first scream, and I'll just say I think this is the best one. I don't think they improved upon this at all. Not that I they just, didn't do some oh. good stuff, but this is the best. Yeah, I, I, I just uh, I just wanted to say something real quick. Um, just to my earlier point, I just looked up to see what like leading up to this the major slashers were. Um, I just wanted to read some of them. So Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight, Jason Takes Manhattan, <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street Five, The Dream Child, Halloween Five, The Revenge of Michael Myers. So like it, this was a dying genre to think now we're getting like we just got Halloween, two Halloweens, this Scream back. Um, Texas Chainsaw remake, like all this wouldn't have happened without this movie. So it's crazy to think this really just just revived that genre. Quickly before we get to Scream Two, do you guys think we will see the same thing for Friday the Thirteenth and A Nightmare on Elm Street? Um, maybe. They, I mean, they tried rebooting those in like the late two thousands, early twenty tens, I think. Yeah, it was which like is around the last nine and ten. Yeah, which that's about the last time that they tried doing a scream movie so i think we're about due for another at least another attempt at rebooting those two yeah um, i wouldn't be surprised if they came well yes less than a year after the first scream they really capitalized on that success we get scream 2 from 1997 sydney is now a college student studying theater Murders begin again after the release of a movie about the ghost face killings. This is the same team from before, Craven and Williamson. Do you think that this is a sequel? Do you think the sequel justified its own existence? I think so. It's definitely a solid sequel. With how well the first movie did, it was inevitable that they were going to greenlight a sequel. It is impressive how quickly they were able to pump this out and keep it at relatively... Maybe not quite the same level of quality, but still pretty decent and pretty respectable quality. 
Yeah, I think I think it. I definitely agree with all that. Um, I think it does justify itself. I think it would have been much better if this was the last one, to be honest. Um, I, I think it was ruined by later on entries. I, I think it did everything as well. It, it did enough different that it was interesting, and it still, like, the formula seemed fresh at this point. Whereas later, it's just like, oh, they're doing it again. Like, <laughs> the kills were interesting enough, and the characters I actually cared about, which can't say for much later in, in, the, in this franchise. Yeah, I want to say this is definitely the best supporting cast of any of the Scream sequels. Yeah, Jada Pinkett. Um, was she Jada Pinkett Smith by that point? I can't remember. I don't believe so, but I could be wrong. So Jada Pinkett, Omar Epps, Jerry O'Connell, Tim Oliphant. Laurie Metcalf, Portia de Rossi was in this. I can't think of too many more of the Scream sequels that had that strong of a supporting cast, or at least that much of a supporting cast that would go on to do other great things. I mean, I guess we'll see with this new Scream. We don't know what those young actors have gone on to do yet. I mean, not that Fair. they've done stuff, but they're still Fair. Yeah, this is a, a decent and entertaining sequel, I would say. It starts off very strong or at least has the concept of starting off very strong but toward the middle and end i find it kind of drags it's kind of all over the place this one becomes more of a whodunit than a horror movie and it starts to get a little stale in the tropes at some point you're begging sydney to like stop answer the phone sydney please (laughs) like especially when she's in the sorority house and like just about to walk out and the phone rings and she like turns back. I'm like, what? No, no, please. That's yeah. <laughs> definitely. I can't listen to this guy's voice anymore. What do you guys think of the beginning scene of this movie? We have Jada Pinkett and Omar Epps who are going to see the Stab movie, which is the fictional movie based off of the Woodsboro killings. Um, and things get a little hairy when Jada Pinkett is stabbed herself after Omar Epps is killed in the bathroom. Let me back up for a second. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. So we have them um, talking about this uh, racial history in horror movies that is kind of, I feel like, an attempt to maybe revitalize or introduce um, certain things into the, the genre that weren't there before. And then I don't know if the series really kind of keeps those promises. Not, not at all. No. <laughs> so that was, this, I feel like this had the potential to be like an interesting scene because after you have the first movie with that opening scene, which is so incredible, you'll think, well, how do you top that? And I think this was like a good idea to have the movie and somebody killed there. But here's how it happens, is that Omar Epps goes to the bathroom. Uh, there's two ghost faces peeing at urinals, and they're, like, taking a long time. So he goes in the stall. While he's in the stall, this is what he hears from the next stall. I Don't quote me exactly, but it's like, <laughs> Mommy, Mommy, I'll, I'll be good. I'll do it. Or, like, whatever. I'll, I'll see if I can find a soundbite of that and put it in yeah. later. No, don't. I, we, they've, they've heard it already. But, like, why would that entice him to put his ear up on the stall door? If I'm here, like, I'm out of there. I'm gone. I don't even care if I'm halfway through peeing. I'm out of there. I, I, I was wondering that, too. And also, like, what if he didn't? It was just the guy, it was Ghostface, just like, I hope he's put his hand, head right here. I'm going to put a knife through. Yeah, this right in that exact spot. <laughs> 
but yeah, like, why would that be? Like, say you're Ghostface and you're playing that over whatever you have a tape recorder. I don't know. It's, it's the '90s. Why would you expect someone to be like, "I'm gonna uh, listen into this"? And also, knowing later who the killer slash killers are, maybe this is answered, and I and I'm just too stupid to know. But like, was Ghostface particularly targeting that couple? Uh, I, I don't think they ever addressed that. No. I, I, I feel like it was supposed to be random, but it's weird how they would know about the both of them if one of them is just killed randomly in the bathroom. Like, that could have been anyone, unless he followed him into the bathroom to kill him. I, but I, I don't like, think he did. Did that ghost face hire the other two ghost faces to take a long time peeing so that he would have to go <laughs> in the stall? I don't know. I just... Yeah. I never, Unless it was at, I can, if it was just at random, I guess I can understand that. But then how would, how would Ghostface know who Omar Epps' date was? That's what I'm saying, yeah. And also, like, she's sitting way in the front, too, with, like, a bunch of people running around. Yeah, that is one of the, one of the fatal flaws of some of the later movies, even this one. Um, A lot of the, which that, we'll get into this later, but the events of some of these movies are for this one it's more just like the one sequence but other move other films we'll get into later the events of the whole movie hinder on a very specific detail that could easily have not fallen into place which would just unravel the whole plot yeah yeah um so it does require that level of suspension of disbelief and some people are more willing to do that than others so i will concede that mm. I do so I, yeah I really like the construction of of this scene and I think it could have been done very well I don't mean to like be a party pooper by ripping it apart but it just in its execution was not as good as it could have been I think It's a fair critique for sure Yeah coming from someone who's willing to go to bat for just about every one of these movies Uh why well, I can't wait to get to 3 Uh <laughs> I, I one character who I do think is pretty interesting is Cotton Weary uh, this play played by Leah Schreiber. This is the man who Sydney had originally accused of killing her mother. It turns out he didn't do that. Um, it was obviously Billy and Stu, and it had just been that Cotton was having an affair with Sydney's mother, and he gets out, and now he wants some sort of publicity. I again another character who very fascinating that. Now you have everybody in town who thought for a long time that he brutally raped and murdered Sydney's mother, and now they all know he doesn't. But, you know, as we could predict with human nature, not all of that feeling goes away. And as he says, some people still trying to avoid him. And again, I thought this was a character that, great setup, not the best execution in the world. Unless you guys disagree. I don't think it paid off that well, honestly. Um, so, I, I mean, it was it was a good, in theory, yes, good, but I didn't think they used it that well. Mm. Yeah, we get Randy murdered in the van, and then we have the theater ending where it turns out that, and I'm not I'm not good at guessing like movie twists, and I don't like to be, but I I knew that it was Laurie Metcalf. Yeah. She just, like, showed Same. up too conveniently. She was just too prominent. Um, not only was it Laurie Metcalf, but it was Tim Oliphant, who plays, what is his character's name? Mickey? Mickey, yeah. Mickey, yeah. Yeah. I don't, like, Mickey was not a big enough 
part of the movie for me to be like, oh my god, that guy. <laughs> well, I, I noticed that he kind of disappeared after a little bit, and I'm like, hmm. Well, it, it's funny to me you know, that you mentioned that. If it wasn't Timothy Oliphant, I would have forgot this character even existed. So, <laughs> True. It's kind of like, what happened like, to exactly. Timothy Oliphant? <laughs> and I guess it makes sense. He was like hired by, by Billy's mom. Um, I mean, at first I was like, why wouldn't why wouldn't Sydney know that that's Billy's mom? But I, yeah, I guess there was the abandonment thing, so I guess I can believe that. Also, oh. she lost weight, so. <laughs> Does it say that? Yeah, she's like, didn't they like say something like she like she must have lost, or she's like I lost hundreds of pounds or something. <laughs> well, I, don't I don't remember, remember that, that at all. all. <laughs> oh my god, I gotta look this up. <laughs> Are you just? <laughs> Are you Kevin Williamson? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's definitely some creativity. I really like the car scene um, where Sydney and her friend Hallie, played by Elise Neal, are trapped in the car with the ghost face and they have to like climb over him in the front seat to get past. That was really creative. I like that. Yeah, overall, this is a, a decent horror sequel. Entertaining. And then we get to Scream 3. This is from 2000. For me, it's fine. It's like just on the borderline of entertaining. I've read that this is a very troubled production with a lot of rewrites, which is, it's pretty apparent considering the elements that are introduced and then don't really go anywhere. It's just kind of tired. It's the same stuff with no thrills, but what did you guys think? I definitely thought it was the weakest of the Scream sequels, but I think some of the humor still has its merits for someone who is a big fan of the formula. So for me, it was definitely worth watching. It had the requisite amount of you know, meta self-awareness and humor, tongue-in-cheek references to popular culture at the time, although a lot of that stuff, of course, is dated because it came out in 2000, and a lot of this popular culture stuff is no longer relevant. Mm. But, I mean, there was enough to keep my attention, as, like I said, being a pretty big fan of the series, but um, it's not something I'm, like, clamoring to revisit either. Tyler? I hated this movie. <laughs> I think this is by far the worst scream. Um, I did not really enjoy much of the characters in this. Like, I didn't care for them. I was annoyed by most of them. Um, I thought it jumped the shark in the plot. I thought the reveal was horrible just from top to bottom. There was so much wrong with this movie that I just found it so long and uh, so uninteresting that I, I was not into it at all. Well, what would you do if you found out you had a half brother that your parents abandoned? And that was I, that was really bad. <laughs> that was a terrible, like yeah, like that, on par with the Halloween. Oh, the when they first did, uh, he's your brother. Oh no, that's not. It's not that bad. <laughs> it's pretty it, bad. It's it it at, at worst, it's the level of like, what would you do if your ten year old son or your ten year old nephew? came to you as a 50 year old man <laughs> oh yeah like, old. i i yeah. like that in this this is true for even the newest one they've run out of plots for these movies so like ah sydney has a family member we didn't know about <laughs> that's that's yeah. the plot of it. technically they're not related she doesn't but even have that one, but... she she's just working as a, a phone counselor for a women's crisis hotline and there's another stab movie and there's more murders I why should... would you work I just want to say, why would you work for a phone company? Like, why would you work working phones when you've had two phone-related murderers come after you? Uh, you couldn't see that coming? <laughs> I should mention this one is written by Aaron Kruger, 
Uh, I this one starts with Cotton Weary and his girlfriend. Cotton has like a talk show called 100% Cotton. Which <laughs> I'm I'm jealous. See, that's the that's the that's the kind of stuff where I I will give it some some credit because that 100% Cotton bit is just so dumb, but it's corny, and I've actually found that amusing to a point. Well, his his girlfriend is attacked in their home. And when she first sees the ghost face person, she's like, Cotton, I don't want to play your stab games. What does that mean? Is is Cotton making her, like, role play, like, the murders to get off or something like that? What are you doing, Cotton? And, like, how can you be so not... Ugh, not tonight, Cotton. Come on. I don't want to pretend to be a murder victim. Well, just to circle back a little bit, Aaron Kruger... His best work being the Transformers sequels. Which ones? I think two, three, and four. Oh, ew. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, we have another another stab set. Dewey is uh, working on this movie. I don't know why. Like, I understand everybody's got to make a living, but, like, you've literally been mortally wounded twice. I can tell you why. They needed a way to get him in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> that's all it is. We didn't mention we didn't mention in the in the cotton scene that like the his his voice perfectly came through the door because of the dumbest plot device in <laughs> movie history. What's that? The voice changer. Oh yeah, the voice changer is pretty bad. The voice changer that has every character's voice somehow, including a dead a character who's dead a year before the first screen. <laughs> Yeah, this, I, I, I thought that was really bad, too. And, like, it, when it comes through the door, it's perfectly clear, but when they use it in person, it sounds so distorted. It doesn't even make sense. It doesn't sound anything like them. Yeah. This one, you know it's good when you have a Jay and Silent Bob cameo in a Scream yeah. movie. Who, who was the other cameo? There was one other... Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher, yeah. To that was kind of funny. Carrie Fisher. <laughs> That was kind of funny. I, I thought they at least wrote something for that. Uh, we have Sydney seeing her mother as a ghost in a flowing white gown. I don't know why ghosts are always portrayed. It, like, are the ghosts getting these clothes after they die? Is there a shop on the way to heaven where you can get these extravagant outfits? <laughs> and this is also not the last time we're going to see a ghost parent in this series it's true unfortunately it's not i just while we're here real quick sydney's compound that she lives in wherever it is there's 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 a scene in the beginning where she like locks a gate and the gate's about like three feet high (laughs) with with like holes in it and i just found that so stupid well like you know if papa smurf was the killer then she would have been (laughs) safe he could slip through the massive slots (laughs) in the gate in the fence <laughs> it's like a coded a coded uh, gate yeah i don't know if this is something but at one point sydney's flipping channels and one channel just has like a close-up of a worm wiggling around <laughs> <laughs> i didn't I'm catch like, that i don't know if this is like a scary movie that i never saw or, like, <laughs> or if there's just the worm channel <laughs> the, yeah the worm channel <laughs> They 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 were up all night playing with they worm. <laughs> that that was the best thing I got out of Dune. Uh, in the fake, 
bedroom set of Sydney's on the Stab movie. There's a Creed poster. You think Sydney was listening to Creed back Wasn't in the there day? a Creed poster in the beginning movie, too? There probably which, was, but... Which brings me... Th- oh, sorry. No, go <laughs> I was, ahead. I was just going to say, this is something I brought up in most of these movies, especially this one. How did they get the set so, like, weirdly perfect that, like, they're literally the same thing? It's just odd that a movie would know every detail of, like, where people died and stuff, like, exactly where. You know where they got the source material from the best journalist there ever was, Gail Weathers. She she wrote the exact coordinates of each body. Yeah. How they died. Exactly. Uh, We get... More of Maureen's backstory, which I don't know if we need. She was she went to Hollywood, had a stint there, and that's going to lead us to the ending. Uh, here's one meta joke that I thought was funny. When Ghostface throws the knife at Dewey's head and the handle hits him in the forehead, that was funny. Yeah. That's a good parody moment. <laughs> so I appreciated that. And then we have the killer revealed. Uh, it's the director... Of it's played by Scott Foley's name's Roman. He's the director of the Stab movie, but it turns out, and there's no hint to this whatsoever earlier in the movie, and maybe there doesn't need to be, but he's the half brother of Sydney because her mom, Maureen, had a child when she was out in Hollywood, and then she neglected him. <laughs> so he's got to come back and murder people. I, I, I want to bring up what I what I texted you guys about the other day, and uh, uh, thanks to James H. and East for the kill count for this. When Gail is searching the house, this is when they're at the uh, mansion. The people, the cast members, are starting to get killed off from stab. She opens a coffin and finds Roman's body, the killer, mm-hmm. pretending to be dead, and she checks his pulse. <laughs> she she checks his pulse on his body. He's pretending to be dead and then walks away and closes the coffin like, oh, okay. <laughs> Does she not know how pulses work? But did, well, she, smell, did she smell the gas, though? That, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know where else we see that? You know where we see bad pulse taking? I'm going to deviate for a second, but I, there's okay. a small group of people who need to hear this. In the beginning of The Walking Dead, when Rick is in the hospital and Shane... <laughs> Puts his head on his heart. You're a police officer, Shane. You don't know how to check a pulse? Come on, man. That was Freudian. You didn't want him to live. We all know it. I think that was the point. Yeah. <laughs> all right, back to Scream. But, yes, can we bring up the gas real quick? Because how convoluted of a kill was that? Because, first of all, he was able to read the first half of the note just fine. And then, all of a sudden, it was too dark. And so instead of, like, walking outside with it, Ghostface correctively predicted he was going to go get a lighter, <laughs> light it, and read it. Listen, man, the sun I, goes down fast. I, I, I enjoyed that scene, honestly. That, that, that was just, it was bombastic, it was stupid, but I, 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 I thought it was entertaining. I, I, this, the best part is when it cuts to him in the house and he's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> the oh man. They all go falling down a hill. Oh my God. <laughs> Worse than the, the Peter Rabbit 2 falling down the hill, which is the hardest <laughs> I've ever laughed at anything ever in a Who, movie. What character was like, I can't stop falling. <laughs> Just shouts that out in the middle of tumbling down a hill. Yeah, you're falling down a hill. Yeah. <laughs> 
You know what this movie made me realize I've had enough of? I've had That's enough right. of people who are under threat who are just threatening other people. Whenever they're talking to Ghostface on the phone, they're like, if you touch him, I'm going to kill you. I don't think Ghostface cares. <laughs> I understand it's a human reaction, but I like, stop. Enough of this. It's the same with pointing guns. And the, the, the most tragic part of this movie is Cherokee the dog. Because we see Cherokee in the beginning, and then we see Cherokee in the end. And I don't know what happened to Cherokee in the middle. Sydney was preoccupied there for a while. She lives alone. Don't know how Cherokee was getting food. Don't know how Cherokee was getting walked. <laughs> Luckily, Cherokee survived, but who was taking care of this dog? Why is there even a dog in the movie? I texted you guys as soon as I started watching this. I'm like, because I had actually only watched this for the first time recently. I texted him. I texted you guys. I'm like, oh no, they just introduced a dog. You think that's what all it was? It was a setup to be like, oh, the dog didn't die. Like, just a, just another twist on the horror thing. <laughs> that's all I can I, see. I don't know. The dog didn't contribute anything to the movie. I feel I, I don't think they put that much thought into it. Fun Maybe fact, not, but... there's an alternate scene where Cherokee has to fight off Papa Smurf as he tries to get into the house. <laughs> it's to keep him on the locked gate. Yeah. <laughs> um i just want to talk about first of all the creepy detective i'm not even convinced he wasn't a killer even though like they say he's not that dude was weird like, the entire yeah. time patrick dempsey yeah patrick dempsey's character i hated it like, when he was just, she was like so... yeah what's your favorite scary movie and he's like my life <laughs> stop <laughs> stop <laughs> Sydney, I can see that for because she's been attacked by the same persona three times now. But my lord, I just this is the stupidest scene. So it was cool how she got the gun from the. Well, first of all, she stole a gun from a detective, which is weird. But I like that she did that and then had the second gun. So he was smart and was like, "Oh, I know you have a gun." She pulls that. The body armor thing happens like four times throughout that scene. Oh my god, we get the body armor, yeah. and then she's wearing body. Armor. It's so stupid. And that's isn't that how body armor works? It just negates the the entire force and effect yeah. of a bullet. Yep. He took. Let me see. He took all five <laughs> rounds from Sydney's gun in the chest from like ten feet away. Yeah. No. And then took. About ten rounds from the from Dewey shooting him in the chest, and he's still just getting slightly pushed back. Like coming out Screaming the whole time too. This guy's got lungs. Yeah, he really does. His ribs must be like putty at that point, <laughs> being hit with that much force. Uh, we have the proposal between Dewey and Gail, where he like puts a he hollows out part of her book and puts a ring in it. I thought that was cute as heck. They were they married at the time? In real life? I, I think believe so. so. Okay. They got married... And I don't want to quote the exact year, but I believe they were by this time. I, I really like that. It's a great movie proposal. And then we have Sydney leaving the door open as they're all going to watch a movie. And I understand it was supposed to be symbolic, but you're not concerned about bugs? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's California. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be some mosquitoes and stuff out there. You Close leave the, the door. door open, Cherokee's gonna get out. <laughs> but there's no ghost face anymore even though this has happened like 16 times yeah <laughs> what if another random stranger just walked into the home <laughs> sorry the door was open yeah how'd you get over my locked gate 
Can I talk about a guy who was just like not used in this movie? Is the actor who was playing uh, Randy in the Stab film? <laughs> He's in it for like a grand total of two seconds, and then gets backflipped oh, yes. and thrown out of <laughs> thrown out a window. Yeah, I was just like, wow, they didn't really. That's why, like, they didn't care about any of the characters. They just kind of like Emily Mortimer. Emily Mortimer was in this for like three seconds. Yeah, and is... kind of has like a weird is she the killer, but then it's never really dealt with i don't know and then the the most forgettable death scene that i forgot is she died (laughs) i thought she just ran out because i forgot she got stabbed i forgot too well that's it for that three year whirlwind period and 11 years later we get kind of like the first attempt at a requel as they now call it this is scream 4 this is from 2011 this is back with the team of craven and williamson Sydney is the author of a book, a, a memoir. Dewey is the sheriff of Woodsboro. Gail is a fiction writer. And Tyler, this is what you thought up of, of, of adding the family members. Sydney, Sydney's cousin and her friends become the next targets of Ghostface. How would you, you guys like Scream 4? I would say it's definitely not the weakest entry, especially considering what we just finished discussing. Um, it's also not really the strongest sequel or even of the requels that they've done. It's not the strongest of that either. Um, you can tell an attempt was made to sort of revitalize the franchise, course correct a little bit after what happened with Scream 3, but it still came off a bit underwhelming and a little cash grabby. Tyler? I was saying that I think 3 is by far the worst of the franchise, but you know what? This one's close. I, I really didn't like this one. Um, I thought, first of all, it ends up being a main character. Was, I'm spoiling it. Emma Roberts is the killer in the dumbest twist imaginable. Um, but she's awful in this movie. Just horrible. She can do way better, so I don't understand what was going on in this movie. I, I, okay, so I, I didn't think the, the twist was that bad. I thought it was re- relatively effective for me anyway. I thought it was the dumbest motivation out of all of them, honestly. The motivation, yeah, but I I wasn't really necessarily expecting her like I was in some Fair of the enough. other movies. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a fun return to form. I think there are some genuine surprises within the scene. Uh, the beginning, I don't know how to feel about it, starts with Stab 6, then goes <laughs> into the start of Stab 7. Again, it's a poor use of Anna Paquin. Stop it, Hollywood. Stop <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Uh, the waxing poetic about horror movies was kind of funny. There's a lot of like, I bet you think I'm gonna do this. Well, I'm not going to in the in this movie. Um, and then, yeah, the ending. Emma Roberts as Sydney's cousin. I think this was a good, like, kind of a good commentary, but just not super well executed. She was kind of sick of Sydney getting all the attention. She wants to be as famous as her, which I think kind of went along. This was, you know, the burgeoning of personal technology and a lot of people being on the internet, which, you know, it might be a stretch, but I-, I can ride with that at least. But then she's like, what am I supposed to do? Go to college and work? And I'm like, what? You think you're like gonna kill a bunch of people and then just not work because you're the victim of a crime also sydney went to college so yeah, like sydney, you're, that you're was the sequel who, yeah who went to college so. I, I think it was a poor attempt at trying to take a jab at millennials yeah I, with that 
it wasn't fantastic. It's true. We're all terrible actors, so <laughs> it worked this is this is how I found out about the third Culkin brother. I did not know Rory Culkin was t- uh, acting, so that was interesting. And I thought he was terrible in this. I thought he was fine. I thought they were all fine. I think Hayden Panettiere deserved better. I, she was very good. She was fine. Yeah, that was that was. Yeah, as Kirby Reed, uh, and we have Marley Shelton as Deputy Judy. Uh, I'm gonna ask you guys. Are you guys a fan of Lemon Squares? I like Lemon Squares. Not as much as Officer Dewey, but or Sheriff Dewey. If you were trying to seduce your boss, would you bake them Lemon Squares? Would that be the choice dessert? Mm, it depends on how much they like them, I guess. You wouldn't go with a nice tiramisu? Depends. A nice chocolate chip cookie? <laughs> lemon Squares are the most seductive of foods. But your breath isn't too bad after them, so not the worst idea. Yeah, smell like lemon pledge afterwards. So those are the first four screams. And then, so they took an 11-year break between three and four, and then they took a break again between four and not scream five, but scream 2022. And that's what we're going to get to after the break. Stick around. Has this ever happened to you? You're in bed, drifting off, and suddenly think... Who would win in a tug-of-war match between Superboy and Merlin? Did Marvel ever try to make a long-haul trucker into a superhero? How would it work out if I named my dog after a D-list supervillain? The answers in order are Merlin. Yes. And amazing. I'm Jessica. And I'm Mike. And we host the podcast Ten Cent Takes, a show that looks at weird, silly, and cool moments from comics and how they're woven into the larger fabric of history. Moments like the time Superman shilled for Radio Shack. When Archie got tempted by the devil. Oh, and then there was that time that DC Comics gave a superhero AIDS in an effort to be topical. It's always weird around here, but we'd like to think it's also interesting. So come with us and commit random acts of pop culture archaeology, one issue at a time. If you'd like to learn more, head over to TenCentTakes.com. All right, we're back with the newest installment of Scream. This is not Scream 5. It's Scream 2022. This is directed by Matt Bettinelli, Open, and Tyler Gillett. These are the Ready or Not guys, which I believe both of you guys are a fan of. And this is written by James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick. So just tell me, spoiler free, right now, your general thoughts, your reactions to the new Scream. I really enjoyed it. I thought they did a great job simultaneously providing like the requel formula, as they put it. Um, but it's still, it was very candidly self-aware and somehow felt unique in its use of admittedly familiar ingredients and familiar formulas of the Sc- Scream franchise. It was a Sc- Scream movie for the Scream fans, in my opinion. Tyler? So in my opinion, the stuff you just said was a reason I did not like it, honestly. I thought it was way too, um, like, self, the self-awareness, like, it was way over the top. Like, it literally just say what it's going to do and then do it to the point where it's, like, eye-rollingly stupid, the stuff they did. There was literally a whole scene in the middle where they just explain requels and then they're like, you can't call it the number five or whatever. You just call it by the name, which is exactly what this did. And I, I was so annoyed throughout <laughs> of it. Like, it, the, the problem with the screams, which the first one, it works, second one, still lesser but 
they they get they're way too meta. This one just took it over the top and was so meta, like everything was just a reference to this old screams and like they're like, oh, this is what happens, and then it happens, and I'm just like, oh my god, I I did not like this movie. <laughs> That's that's what I'm getting at when I say it's like a scream movie for scream fans because if if anyone's like me where they're just like the the formula is tried and true you can't go wrong almost like the Marvel formula where they have a way of doing things and it works but using the same formula isn't good just because you're saying oh you know we used this formula before no but I think this movie honest for the most part justifies itself. Well, it's tiebreaker time. Yeah. <laughs> and this thing drowns you in meta-commentary. Drowns you. I will say this. If you're a Scream fan, as Matt said, he's right. You'll probably be at least entertained by this, but there is a point early in the film where we hear DJ Khaled say, another one, and it reverberates. And that basically sums up the whole movie. If you've seen any other Scream film, you have seen this one. The whole time they're just calling their own shots and they're making them in a slightly different way. It's trying to be Mm -hmm. so clever and self-aware, but it's just painfully repetitive while it's trying to tell you that it's not repetitive, but kind of is. I don't want to say that there aren't good things about this movie, but it's all covered up by the issue all these sequels have had, that they're self-aware without rising above the issues that they prescribe. They could have avoided all the commentary just by not making this movie. So I I'll, I guess I'll recommend it if you're a Scream fan, but as far as a movie, I just... I, I don't mean to be like dramatic, <laughs> yeah, but did. Tyler, <laughs> you saw me. I was like squirming in my seat at certain points of this movie. Uh, I caught I caught your reaction as my eyes were rolling around my head repeatedly <laughs> through this film. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? This movie addresses people like you, that, and that's the most I'll say right now. But, but does it? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'd argue that I'm the opposite. I didn't like the movie. I didn't. I didn't. I don't think that's the toxic fan part of it. Yeah. Uh, we have sort of a new cast and an old cast make appearances kind of things. This was the, the Scrubs method, where you get some young blood, but you keep some of the old blood in there too. And uh, some of it was effective, some is not. I think we're going to move into spoilers early. Just, you know, if you don't want to know anything about the plot, we're not going to get to the end right away. But we're going to start talking about specific plot points and some of the kills in Scream. So I'll give you the warning now. Spoiler warning. If you have not seen the following movie, please go watch that movie and come back or accept the consequences. But as many of you may be seen in the trailers, we begin with Tara, who is in the house alone. Tara, played by Jenna Ortega. Home alone. She's trying to get her friend to come over. She's talking on the phone with this this guy who's like part of her mom's group. Am I getting that right? Yeah, no, I think it was supposed to be her mom's boyfriend, but he was pretending to be part of her group. Or vice versa. Oh, I see. Yeah, well, she's going on an elevated horror monologue, which I I thought was funny. I do like how they've always kind of uh, updated the horror references to be with the current times. Like in, in 4, they talked about Saw and all that kind of stuff, so I appreciate that. And I I do like that this one is a bit different because Tara does not die. And, you know, her attack, but not death, kind of 
sets up the whole movie. So I, I give him props for doing something that's a little bit different this time. Yeah, I totally called that she wasn't going to die from the trailer because there's no. I knew there was no way they were going to spoil the whole first kill in the trailer. Yeah, her sister, uh, Sam, played by Melissa Barrera, arrives with her boyfriend, Kirsch. Kirsch? Is that his name? Richie Kirsch. Richie, Why does it Richie say Kirsch? Kirsh? Kirsh? Oh, that's that's what I thought when I got done Google. It just says yeah, Kirsch. It's, it's <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's Huey. He's just he's just Huey and everything. Jack yeah, Quaid is just is Huey. Played by Jack Quaid. Um, we have the the friend group regathering. They're they're at a bar and then one of the friends like summer fling, but they broke up boyfriends is like outside peeing against the wall and then a car turns on, so he thinks that somebody is at least they didn't have someone getting up on the open mic and talking about the murder that happened 25 years no, ago. No, this was worse because because they're like, hey, we, we just need a character to get killed. Like, we just need a person who can get murdered early on that we're not going to care about that much. Let's have a jerk ex-fling of a, of a friend that, like, is, I don't mean to say, but, like, the least prominent friend Absolutely. in the group. It was her ex-summer fling, and he gets killed, and that's that's what terrifies everybody. And this, this plays into, like, I where they go too far and make the guy, like, supernatural. He's staring at the car the entire time and never saw him get out and, like, go around. So he somehow turned the car on and got out and around while he was looking at the car. <laughs> I always wonder about the cardio routine of whoever is in Ghostface, because those people are fast. <laughs> And not yeah. only that, but they're never huffing up. It's never you don't get the call and they're like, "What's <laughs> well, oh, your favorite scary movie?" Oh God, <laughs> I gotta take a break. <laughs> they must be in shape. Oh, uh, so we get Sam, who was attacked in the hospital, and we have her telling Tara, these are sisters, the story of her mother's years ago infidelity, and that she found out, and that she. <laughs> She was confronting her mother about it, but little little did she know her her adoptive father was behind her. He didn't know that Billy Loomis was the real dad, so he left. And she thought, it, oh, it's my fault. Like, I don't I feel like it's the fault of your mom, but... Well, okay, so I sing a lot of praises about this movie, and there are a lot of things I, I will defend this movie on. This is one plot point that I have to... And it is a major plot point. I'll admit that, but it is one plot point that I think was a bit much, was a bit unnecessary. But, again, I think this movie, it, it takes chances, it goes for it, for better or worse, and I respect that. Here's a chance that they take, is that she sees her ghost father, Billy Loomis, in visions, because she's slightly, she's taking antipsychotic medications, so she has visions of the, the dad that she never met. I mean, it's cool that they brought Skeet Ulrich back, but I was—you could have taken this out of the movie. I had a big a difference with this this whole thing because, first of all, yes, it was just a way to force Skeet Ulrich back into who they horribly de-aged for this, but like they didn't yeah. make him look young at all in the, the vision. But also, he died before she was born. He had to have. Um, so she most she could have seen him as a picture, maybe, and like a story about him. 
because like it's not like there would be video really videos of him in the early 90s like a lot of videos of him so like how'd she even know like anything about him like <laughs> other than maybe seeing a picture of him i mean there's probably a ton of stories we heard i'll ask you this have you ever imagined santa claus in your head not since uh, my antipsychotics. <laughs> I'm like Tim Allen, leave me alone. He's... Santa's not even a real person. We all imagine him. I don't. Why? Why not? Why not, Billy? I think it's ridiculous, but I'll be honest. I did see Santa Claus, but he died in front of me. So now I'm Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, you are Santa. <laughs> now you need to die in front of somebody else to get rid of this horrible burden. Uh, Sam and Richie visit Dewey to get some help. He has, at least at that point, retired as sheriff of Woodsboro. He's divorced from Gail, but he still likes to watch her morning show. He calls Sydney. We get the first shot of Nev Campbell, which is really cool. And he sends Gail a text, which I thought was funny. But it does kind of have that thing that you see a lot in movies where, like, the finger movement on the phone is not exactly matching what's being typed on the screen, which I'm not going to make a big stink about, but like when you do a close-up like that, like why, why are you doing it like I was going to say, that that sounds real nitpicky at that point. But you're doing a close-up of it. Why? I, I just want to say in this, because you brought it up, and I, I feel this way about a lot of reboots now, I hate when you have these characters that ended on like a great uh, good note in the thing. They bring them back, but like they're divorced now. They hate each other. Like Star Wars did. Like, I'm just sick of that. <laughs> now they, 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 they're now apart, you know? They, they're not together. Well, well I mean, they, they got to make it meta. I mean... They don't. No, they don't. They they don't have to. what they, needs to happen. <laughs> well, my, my issue is that I was like, okay, they're divorced. I want some grand reunion between Gale and Dewey. Because, frankly, I'm not going to lie to you. That's been my favorite part of this whole series. It's just when Gale and Dewey are together. In the in the sequels where I didn't always care about Ghostface, I cared about them. In this movie, it's eh. The reunion yeah. is eh. I agree. Not a big payoff for me. I mean, at least Courtney Cox fixed her hair in the last couple movies. Don't come at Courtney Cox. <laughs> this is a, a pro-Courtney podcast. Uh, similar to Randy's rules of the horror movie we get the rules of the requel scene jasmine savoy brown plays mindy and mason gooding plays chad their siblings who are niece and nephew of randy i guess there's a genetic trait that makes you uh orate horror movie rules to people i thought it was a nice touch though they had the randy meeks memorial uh screening room or whatever yeah it was cool i was like randy as a character they do have, Tyler, you mentioned that the horrible joke about you can't just name it Scream 5, <laughs> yeah, you have to name that it Scream that, that, Oh I, my god, I mean, that, that whole scene I was rolling my eyes during, and they just like literally said yeah. everything that was true about this movie in it, and I'm just like, oh. <laughs> There was some nice Pizza Hut product placement. Uh, we have Sheriff Judy... And Wes, I thought this was a pretty good scene where he's showering at home and she goes to rescue him. She runs right into the knife. Yeah, that was that was probably one of my favorite sequences of the whole movie right here. Um, and it, it kind of one of the notes I wanted to put is that um, while you could easily get this movie if you've only seen the first Scream, it 
Um, it does pay some dividends if you've seen the other ones because it does have some nice callbacks and little Easter eggs for people that have stuck it out and watched all four of the previous films. And this whole character of Sheriff Judy um, certainly is an example of that because she obviously only came up in Scream 4. Uh, and there's another line that, that I wrote my eyes at, which is like when Wes is like, my mom's a character in one of the movies. And like, oh, well, no one cares about the sequels. Uh, <laughs> yes, I, I love that. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, and that's when I knew that what was about to happen. I mean, when it's already been done by the Save by the Bell reboot I, I i've had enough of it well i didn't see that now did i i didn't even see it i saw it on an ad for the saved by the bell reboot i i'm just i won't beat the dead horse um we have to get to this and i think this is a legit criticism Dewey's oh, 100%. they're in the hallway there are no doctors or nurses around they all went home for the night this hospital's closed we have Ghostface attacking the group in the hall. They're about to get in the elevator after they, they knock him out. And Dewey's like, oh, wait, hang on. I, I'm, tr- I'm remembering the end of Scream 3 now. I got to go shoot him in the head. And then Tyler, what so, happens? He, he has this dramatic unloading the gun, loading the gun up, walks up right up to him in knife range, pull, puts the gun to his head and his phone rings. So he decides, oh, okay, I'll answer my phone first and then gets stabbed and gutted. <laughs> In, in the dumbest fashion by uh, I feel like we uh, have we spoiled this at this point or are we spoiler free well this is a spoiler yeah yeah but we anyway. are but we also we also didn't mention the the whole fake out scene with the the house oh yeah oh my god yeah that that I'll bring up that in a minute but it was fine this, I like that this a lot. It's like a small teenager that probably weighs like a third of what David Arquette weighs, just like lifting him up and. <laughs> but like he could have, he's he's been part of this four other times. Well, you think he would know? Like, hey, I could just stand where I am and just shoot him in the head from here. I have a gun. I don't need to get right up against them and stab him. Yeah, but how do you know it's not a bulletproof mask? It could be. It could be a Kevlar mask. Then what is mask. walking right up and shooting him in the Kevlar mask in it? <laughs> I mean, there are vo- you can get any human voice on Earth, so why not? Why not? The also, mask? they didn't they didn't establish like she's wearing a bulletproof vest, right? So she just took like multiple shots to the chest and fell backwards and was just fine. <laughs> like in like in Scream Three. I I mean I. I'll say that we picked apart a lot of things. I don't want to pick apart every single thing in any movie or horror movie. It does get a little ridiculous. However, I did genuinely feel that Dewey deserved yeah, 100%. better death than this. Okay, De- his de- actual death aside, though, are you arguing that he shouldn't have died at all, though? I, I think he should have. No, I, I'm fine with him dying. Um, I just, not in this I, I think they had to kill off at least one legacy character to keep the, it fresh. Yeah. But, well, yeah, that's part of the recall rules. they... That was just dumb. Like, he should have gone in a much more reasonable way than, like, something that he wouldn't do because he's lived through four of these attacks. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, I want to get to the, the stakes question later on. So then Tara, uh, what's Richie. the boyfriend's name? Kirsch? <laughs> Kirsch, yeah, Kirsch. <laughs> Huey. 
Tara, Kirsch, and Sam are headed out of town to escape all this this nuttiness. Tara realizes she doesn't have her inhaler, uh, so she has to go to Amber's house, which is Stu's old house. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this this is another thing that's happening is people just buying the houses of of old killers. We saw this in Halloween. And at least they didn't see, go there and see Stu just staring out the window, but he's not staring out the window. He's staring at himself. Also, they weren't yeah. aware of, like, one of the most brutal, like, murder sprees in the country happening in the house that their friend owned. <laughs> like, they, they didn't know that was his house. <laughs> hey, they don't put that kind of stuff on Zillow, so. It, yeah, but it's literally what the town is known for. <laughs> They're known for those lemon squares, so those, those are on equal footing. They're so meta that they have a scene where two people go into a basement just to show you that nothing is going to happen. It's, I'm all set with it. I guess it goes to show that taste is subjective. Because it certainly is. All of, all of these sequences you guys are crapping on, I thoroughly enjoyed. And I'm For the same exact them. reasons that you guys are critiquing them. It's like, it's so funny. I never in my life do I ever want to dislike a movie. And I think this one has its merits, but you are you are right. This one did not fit my taste. It's like the epitome of taste being subjective. Or objective. No. Subjective. Subjective. <laughs> Shaggy do. <laughs> I, I enjoyed when Shaggy do was revealed to be the killer. No, but Shaggy do was in the movie. He was, yeah, he was somewhere in the background right oh, at the yeah, party. He was, yeah. he was, I thought he was the ghost face in Scream 8. <laughs> he he was, will Stab be. 8, yeah, yeah. Stab 8, yeah. Stab 8. Just wait till Scream uh, 8. We have this thing where, where Chad, as I mentioned, played by Mason Gooding, and Liv, played by Sonia Benamar, like are, are going to do it, and she offers, and he's like, um, I don't know if I want to do it, because like, you might be the killer, and he didn't want a, a basic instinct kind of thing. Um, I, I guess it was an okay setup. I don't, the dialogue didn't, didn't hit me, but I guess you had to get him outside for some reason. I thought the find my whatever it was thing was so stupid as well. The what? The GPS like the thing? The tracking thing? Yeah, that she accepts. Oh. Like, he's like, the most intimate thing you can do is accept this request, and then they do it to get him. <laughs> wow. It took us all these thousands of years to get to the, the crux of intimacy. So, go humanity. Turns out that Amber and Richie are the killers. It's them. Uh... Shocked by this, surprised by this, thrilled by this, Matt. What happened? Well, I, I I said it when I was talking to you guys off air before. So, it did actually the movie did actually do a decent job of throwing me off of Richie for a bit, even though Dewey earlier in the film calls out. It's like it, you know, you always got to suspect the love interest, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, totally. But then it throws some other stuff out there that. You know, it really, it did throw me off for a minute, and it even goes so far as to try and make you think it's Tara. Um, but then, of course, when that reveal happens, it was pretty shocking to me. It was a surprise, and I thought it was pretty effective, even though, even though going into it, that reminds me, one of the taglines for this movie is, it's always someone you know, and I, I almost think that that was a subtle reference to 
to the fact that Jack Quaid was one of the killers, because when you look at this cast list, aside from the OG cast, I'd say Jack Quaid was probably one of the most prominent names of the cast, of like the newer cast. So maybe when they're by saying it's always someone you know is like some meta jab at the fact that Jack Quaid was ends up being the killer. It's a stretch, maybe, but I that was just something no, I, I think thought it's of. That's a fair point. I just heard you say the word meta and I can't. <laughs> well, here's the reason that they're doing it, guys. Here's the I reason. will not take this Dylan Minnette sl- slander this, on God, this pod. I, I love Dylan Minnette. I oh, think he too. is one of the best new stars, and I wanted more for him than this. Uh, give give every Ty Sheridan role going forward to Dylan Minnette, and it will be fine. I wouldn't mind give that. every Tom Holland, uh, Timothy Chalamet role. To, I, I'm, a, to I'm, Dylan I'm frustrated because we didn't. We hardly even talked about Dylan Minnette's death scene. Go ahead. Which, oh. And 90 times they did the, he's opening a door, he's going to be behind it, and then he closes it and there's nothing there. It went on way too long. Okay, but that knife, that knife through the neck was pretty pretty gnarly, and I think that would, that redeemed the whole rest of the sequence, which I enjoyed the rest of the sequence too, so it's not much to redeem for me. But I anyway. think there's a great example of that kind of the scene in the original Friday the 13th. Check that one out. The reason that Amber and Kirsch are killing people is because... Hollywood has no original ideas, and so they need to commit heinous acts of violence just so that Hollywood will have something to make a movie out of. So it was all for the movies, guys. You can clap now. I, I wish we could illustrate how much Tyler is facepalming when, when you were explaining that, because I felt it through the screen here. Oh, just as he's explaining, like, Hollywood has no new ideas. Yes, I know, I'm watching it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're watching, watching it right this. now. Again, this... Just, it, like, go ahead. This this whole ending, aside from the twist, is like a carbon copy of the ending of the first one. The same house, the same room Sydney's getting lectured in about the motive. <laughs> you know, the, the, the jumps, the people jumping back up. The same way she's revealed as the killer is pulling the gun and shooting the person. Yeah. Uh, like, they just took... There's the scene where Randy's niece is sitting on the couch. Oh, he's behind you, talking to the TV. That happened to Randy, exactly. Yeah. And he just took the same exact shot. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> it's, it's the same thing. Watch the first it's, yeah, movie. It's literally, yes, <laughs> Same ending, like I don't. <laughs> Sydney is standing in the same spot, listening to the speech. She must be thinking, "Why the hell am I standing in this spot again?" You know what would have made this better if uh, Dewey arrived. He didn't die. He arrived to save him, and he's like, "Oh, I'll climb through the dog door in the garage," and then they turn on <laughs> That would have been funny. Uh, it didn't. Did the oh yeah well did the first one have someone getting set on fire and then surviving and then getting shot? Well, let's talk about it. So Amber gets a giant a giant glass <laughs> container of hand sanitizer. Yes, Am hand sanitizer. Yeah, it was hand. Uh, no, was no, because she she was no oh, it was God. hand sanitizer, but that's what she said in the movie. She's like hand sanitizer. Yeah, which was just 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 to acknowledge what it was. They're like hand sanitizer. Like, why would you say that after you got smashed over the head with an object? Also, are, I don't. Maybe it's just not in my household, 
Are there, do people have giant glass hand sanitizer containers just on their kitchen counters? Right next to the stove, just in yeah. case. <laughs> like, I don't have a problem with this. I just, whatever. I Maybe I'm being too, I don't mean to steal anyone's joy by. No, you're not, this movie, you're not stealing any joy. This is great. This is fun. I, I just, I just have to be honest. I, I, I'll say this now. I applaud the movie. If you're a fan of it, I think that's awesome. I don't want to poo-poo anything, but I, the, the glass thing really got me. <laughs> so now she's got she's got rocket fuel on her. They turn the burners on. <laughs> she gets burned. Uh, Sydney and Gail have a discussion about who's gonna kill her. Long story short, the villains die as they do in the other ones. Uh, Billy the ghost tells his daughter where to find a knife. So that was really helpful. I mean, I just like the fact that they had Mikey Madison play, who played Amber, and they and they killed Amber in the same exact way that her character as Sadie from the Manson family in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood died the same exact way. I thought that was uh, so meta. I thought that was brilliant. A scene I enjoyed much more. This movie did not have Leo singing in a pool. Or a flamethrower. Or a flamethrower, yes. Uh, Gail decides that she's not going to write anything about these killings. She's going to let the killers die anonymously. Okay, I like that. That was a nice little caveat at the ending. And then I woke up and realized it wasn't 1996. (laughs) This this one did what like all the screams do, and that's like someone just shoots off screen. Someone else appears with the gun, and this happens like three times in this scene. <laughs> someone else appears with a gun and off screen to shoot someone. <laughs> just overusing that trope, using overusing the trope of just the guy p- appearing with the gun. When when terror comes in with the gun, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> so let me ask you guys this question though. Say that we had none of the other Scream sequels. We just went straight from 1996 with the first Scream and then we got this movie. Would that affect your opinions of it at all? Would that soften it a little bit? If like if the, if they were yeah, I mean they repeat the formula, but like if we if you hadn't preempted it with three other sequels in between the first one and this one, do you think that you would have liked it more? Less same I think I would have been even more thrown off by how much they copied from the first one. So I'd be like, why did they make this? I think that's a great question that I, I'm going to have to think about a little more. But I think I would have liked it more, but I don't think I would have liked it. Of course, I can't say it because I don't know. But I, I think I would have liked it a little more. Well, the other thing I want to say about my own point on this movie um, is that I enjoyed it. But I don't think it's something where they should make a trilogy, a trilogy like they're doing with Halloween, like back to back to no. back. I think the spacing between Scream 4 and this one was an appropriate amount of time. And even from like Scream 3 to Scream 4, appropriate amount of time, about a decade. Yeah. Um, gives pop culture enough time to kind of evolve and change. Gives the movie, the franchise a fresh set of things to comment on. No, I think you have a good point. I... I don't want to see this serialized either, um, and I, I think it would kind of go against the ending of this movie 
to do that because the point was for Gail's choice to not perpetuate the kind of violence. Again, bringing up that sort of theme of not sensationalizing or popularizing this this kind of heinous thing. Um, so yeah, I I don't want to see that either. Obviously, I'm a little biased because I didn't like the movie, but. You know what would make a good sequel to this, though? If, like, Ghostface breaks into a house and it's the kid from Home Sweet Home Alone who just (laughs) brutally, like, brutalizes him. (laughs) Yeah, because the kid from Home Sweet Home Alone would definitely win. Absolutely. Yeah, they're just absolutely mutilating people. (laughs) That'd be a sequel I'd tune in. Or what if Ghostface is Max from Home Sweet Home Alone? (laughs) Yeah, but... That'd be a twist. Ghostface couldn't be saying, oh, I'll be good, mommy. Ghostface would have to say, I'm going to get that ugly little boy. <laughs> Although I feel like Max is more of a jigsaw than a Ghostface. Perhaps. That would have been fun. That would have made the whole movie. This would have been the most glowing review if that had actually happened. <laughs> All right, well, final thoughts on Scream 2022. Um, so my, my last point kind of, I kind of got ahead of us with the final thoughts, but that was basically my final thought is that it was good, but I don't want to see too much of it. If they can come back in another five, 10 years with a movie relatively comparable in quality then I'm here for it, but I just don't want it to be oversaturated because I do like the formula and I do like the series. I think it was an entertaining enough movie. Um, I just don't think it was really necessary to be made. Um, if you're if you're a fan of Scream, like you guys said, I, you probably enjoy it. But if you're like me, who just kind of like got even more annoyed as it went on, then you'll be really not happy with this one. Uh, yeah, I. So Matt, I'm gonna pose you one more question based off of your good question. Was that if they do make another one, would you prefer it where it's just all brand new characters, or do you want them to bring people back every time? That's a tough one. I. It's really tough because that could go either way. I mean, you get it, it. Would it be like like a from the book of Scream type thing or? Yeah. So it, <laughs> I mean, it could be a lot of or things, but I'll say it. It's Woodsboro, so like Wood- everybody knows the history and everything, but there's no Sydney, and it's just all new teams. I mean, or that'd whatever. be one way to subvert the expectations a little bit and try to make it fresh i suppose Mm. i'd be here for it you know what's a great requel if it can be counted as a requel creed (laughs) that's what i want in a requel that's a fresh what's a great you know what's a great band creed (laughs) yeah yeah just ask green three sydney prescott ask sydney prescott what do you think sydney's (laughs) favorite creed song is that uh, was gonna say, you know, if they do make a scream where every character's brand new, the killer's gonna 100% just be Sydney Prescott, and she's gonna take off the mask. But like, you, you saw this coming. <laughs> that would be kind of funny. I like the fact I that the that. little, I like the little tidbit that that Nev Campbell wrote that Sydney Prescott line. Where she's like, "I'm Sydney effing Prescott. And of course, I have a gun." Yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> that was, was cool. cool. That was a good line. Uh, well, please let us know what you thought of Scream the rest of the screen films, anything in the movie world or anything else, please write to us at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com. 
And please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you like the show. That really goes a long way towards helping us. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ScreensaversPod. And our Facebook is Silver Screensavers Podcast. Matt, where can you be found online? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at MattyXSturds, S-T-U-R-D-Z. I also do want to point out that we do have our poll open for next week's Silver Screen Saver Awards. We're taking submissions from listeners. If you want to participate and get a shout-out on our next episode, feel free to go and fill that out. That's in our link tree posted on all our social media accounts. And, yep, I'm also on Letterboxd at MattyXSturds as well. Tyler? Find me on Instagram and Twitter at Tyler Sutkus. Um, I'll bring my... Uh, I'm trying out Letterboxd right now. I had one for a while that I haven't been using. I'm kind of adding stuff to it, and uh, I'll... I'll put that next week because i'm not even sure what my account name is honestly <laughs> you can find me on instagram and twitter at michael underscore gallet g-a-l-a-t and on letterboxd at m gallet well thank you guys so much for sticking around we really do appreciate it we love having you guys next week we're going to do our 2021 in review we're going to talk about all our favorite movies all the great movie moments of the last year it's one of my favorite things to do and it's nice because we also get to look forward to the next year so we'll see you next time take care everybody peace see ya silver screen savers podcast was co-created written hosted and produced by michael gallant Tyler Sukkis and Matt Sturdivant, with additional editing by Matt Sturdivant, intro music by Charles Michel via Pixabay, logo design by Nathan Seidel.